hello and welcome to the weekly scroll podcast my name is ryan and i am a necromancer of the valorian ascendancy yes you are and with us today we have a very special guest guest that's been here before happy to have him back this is alex of black oath entertainment how you doing today alex hey i'm, I'm doing great very happy to be here again yeah Big, big fan of your work, and I know that you're a, you're a big fan of the show here, which we super appreciate. So it's definitely uh, what's funny is like we talk kind of a lot, so it's weird that it's been this long since you've been yeah. back on the show. So again, yeah, it's it's great to have you back. Yeah, no, it's I'm very excited. It's this this show is fantastic. I always have a lot of fun. So yeah, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I think you only put out like fifty games. I think you've only put out like 50 games a month since last time you've been here. That's what it feels like. <laughs> is that is that about it? Is that about right? More or less, I guess. <laughs> no, um, it, yeah, I just keep releasing stuff relentlessly, I know. But, but a couple of people have told me, you are releasing too many things too fast. And it's just as hard to keep up. But it's just the muse. The muse is what... But they want they inspire me. Hey. So, I mean, it's yeah. kind of true. If you're already dropping another game and I haven't even got the book from like the drive through RPG like POD yet because it takes four <laughs> to six weeks to ship, then uh, you might be putting out stuff at a, at a clip. But uh, but you're you're full time now, right? Like which I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people are like, well, he has to be full time already because he puts out, you know, like a game a month. But uh, but you just recently went full time, right? Yeah, basically this week I I just said well, fuck it, this this is it. I'm going full time with this. I got fed Congratulations. up with, with the previous stuff. Thanks, thanks. It's it's been a long time coming, and I kind of wanted to do it for a while now. But yeah, it's taking me four years to get to this point. So I I guess it's okay. Yeah, I was basically just slacking a lot on my other job anyway, and focusing on this mostly so i but like yeah let's just make it official and so yeah this is it nice that's cool very exciting yeah, yeah. i wish man if i could do this full time i would be uh i'd be very happy alas um i cannot <laughs> so no it's, it's um, an absolute privilege to be able to to even contemplate the possibility possibility of doing this full time so I'm very grateful yeah um so and then part of that too is your is your Patreon, which also uh, gets support for you as well. Um, and you send out uh, more updates than anyone any Patreon that I back, and all of them are like a book. Um, and there's a book's worth of stuff every time you put out an update. It's like you're like, hey, here's some info on this game and the next three games I'm working on at all times. So yeah, the Patreon is actually it's the reason I would say why i'm so productive because i really it, many times like okay um i have to put something out i i know that if i didn't have the the let's call it pressure even though it's not really pressure but the pressure of uh of patreon and being forced to to put something out every month i know i wouldn't be working at this rate well maybe now that i'm full-time yes but before i don't think so i will be a little bit more relaxed but Knowing that I have people who are not only putting their faith, but their hard-earned cash on, on me and, and they believe in, in my work and the things I, I do, it really motivates me to to keep releasing stuff. So, yeah, I try to 
at the very least have a, I don't know some small expansion I don't know at least 20 30 pages of worth of content monthly and in each two three months I'm I'm able to release a full game which usually means over 200 pages because that's that's how I am <laughs> that is a crazy amount of output you know like well, it's, it's truly it's really impressive. nothing compared to monsters like Alan Barr it's, it's just nothing it's that guy is just, he makes what I do in two or three weeks. He does it daily. It's just monstrous. It's just, the thing is that he doesn't publish everything he he writes. But if if you knew how many games he has unpublished, it must be in the hundreds, basically. And I'm not talking about one, two pages games. No, he makes 50 pages games daily. It's just ridiculous. So I'm I'm nothing. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a completely amateur compared hey, to. Listen, and then <laughs> there's some people out there who haven't put anything on their Patreon in eight months and are still charging. So you know, I, we appreciate those yeah. that that do. It's very so, very true. Yeah. I'm incapable. Of, I that's just. Yeah. I will feel horrible, horrible. Even though I mean, last month, for example, that I, as you know, I just put half a, a number of demonic of the official sacrifice number, which was. 22 pages and, and I was already feeling horrible. I was like, this is shit. This is, this, I dropped the ball. <laughs> this is not good because lately I've been really pushing it hard with Patreon content. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's really a, a good motivation. And on top of that, yeah, once it's there a couple months later, I can publish it for everybody. So it's a, uh, it's great. It's a really nice yeah. thing to have Patreon both for us a uh, motivation and, and for the support which helps a lot, helps pay the bills now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, you got to now for sure. What, um, now I'm trying to remember what were we talking about last time you were on? Was that, was that when a thousand, across the thousand dead world was, no, no, was it was, going? Or was it even before that. It was sacrifice. That's right. Yeah, it, was sacrifice. it was sacrifice. Damn. Yeah. That's so been a was, minute. Yeah. Like a year in, in something, I don't know, like 15 months at least. Yeah. Last time, yeah. Easy. Yeah, and you've put out, I mean, even just trying to think of what you put out since then, it's like at least like, what, like five or six games since then, right? Uh, well, maybe not that many. I mean, let's see. After Sacrifice, it was um, Broken Shores. Well, originally it was called God Shard, but I had to change it as you, uh, as I guess mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, mm -hmm. Broken Shores, then it was Rift Breakers. Then it was this small little funny thing that I made, it's just small game, uh, um, uh, how was it called? Uh, Blood Moon Apocalypse, which is my little mm -hmm. zombie survival, just a mini game. It's not really, really uh, an RPG even. And then I suppose you can count Across, uh, across a Thousand Dead Worlds, which is now officially released and, and available, even though we are still fi finalizing the, or, or actually have to start with the U.S. and Canada and and well in Latin America fulfillment, and then it's after I'm that I release. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to be great once it's everybody gets their book. Yeah, so we have Warlord Ascendant and and then uh, under um, Ashen Skies, uh, and now 
Carnesales. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a few that's, things. That's seven. That's seven games. <laughs> that's yeah. Well, <laughs> in, in, in between, there's been a couple of expansions and other things too for yeah for sacrifice like, for uh, broken shores. Ernestine reborn. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah. So I mean, yeah, seven plus. Yeah, okay. you're like not quite five or six. Actually, more. Um, <laughs> but um. But I mean, jumping real quick to Across the Thousand Dead Worlds, I'm excited for this. Yeah. Hunter's Thesis category for it. And one of the reasons is because you, you showed it to us before the stream started. So do you have that, that book sitting right there with yeah. you? Yeah, I have. This is the the Murgo edition, which is the, like our deluxe edition, which is limited to Kickstarter, even though I have a few, like a dozen copies left, which I will sooner or later put for sale, up for sale once we know for sure everybody got their their books and everybody's happy with them. We'll have a few of these rare artifacts for sale. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's a pretty neat edition. It has, well, all editions come with the with the tokens, punch cool. tokens, uh, and then they also come with, uh, with a bunch of oh. maps which are inside, even though this edition comes with more. The normal edition comes with six. This one comes with 12 of them. And... Cool. And this edition also comes with this, with the, like a quick reference uh, with all the, all the stuff. And then Wait, is, that, is that one folder with, with different uh, character sheets and ships, sheets, I don't know, stuff to, to help you keep track of everything. So, is yeah, that one's the Murgo edition? Yeah, this is the Murgo nice. edition. That's what I got. Okay. I was just double checking. I was Same. like, did I get that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah I did. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and then got the. You. The book is the same in both editions because it's just fucking gorgeous. It's just uh, absolutely incredible art with art by Veil, which is, is I don't know, it's just a, a beautiful book. It it sucks that the original designer fucked us over and, and, and left the project hanging for a year. But mm. even even though he made a absolutely gorgeous book, it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely beautiful. So it sucks both on a personal level and professional level that he didn't finish the the race with us and we had to scramble and and grab Glenn Seal's help, which is always saving my ass for one reason or another. He's always there to help. So yeah, he finalized it. He made it he really helped us out. He stopped everything to help us out with this and well it's done finally. So I'm very, oh, very happy. Yeah, because yeah. the original estimate delivery was uh, a year ago. Yeah, it was about a year ago, right? Okay. Well, hey, you know, I mean, you, you did it. So. Yeah. yeah, no, but it, but it sucks because it was like, okay, the game is done. It's been play tested. Everything yeah. is done except layout. How long do you need to finish the layout? Three months. Okay. Let's say six to be safe. And then I we added the extra time and still it was six months plus another year for him. So it was... Yeah, a year and a half, two years working on this one. Yes, okay, it was just one person, but he he was supposed to be a professional. He was supposed to know what he was doing, and then then life gets in the way. He had a lot of personal problems. He and he disappeared. He just fucking disappeared. So yeah. Hey, but, yeah, well, but the, I mean, but the book turned what, out great. Yeah, book turned it's out gorgeous. Great. Yeah, and you know, hey, at least you got it out. Like a lot of people, kind of, you know, a lot of people would have given up in that situation. Um, no, but no, like no. way to fight through. I mean, I it, still it have wasn't received, a, uh, it wasn't even in the 
a few I mean, things. You know, I, I didn't even consider dropping it because I. It's just if I said I'm doing it, I'm doing it. <laughs> even if it cost yeah. me many, many thousands more than I expected, I had to put a lot of my own personal money into this because, yeah, you see the the Kickstarter and it was like, oh my god, so much money, and then prices start to increase. We had to pay more people than we initially thought we will have to pay. I mean, mm. it, it's just the year of delay really screwed us over completely because it was when right when the paper prices was was going up transport has the price of transport is just is nuts right now it has risen so much so i mean it was all just snowballing and it was like okay i'm going to lose money but well it has to come out one way or another well you know what's so. funny not funny but it's an interesting thing that popped in my head before because i had always had this question that i never asked you just like because you put most of your stuff out on on print on demand from from drive through and yeah. i don't remember I, we we talked about it after someone said something at some point about um uh printing stuff and you're like but it won't come to europe and i was like wait i don't understand why and you were like um, and then it basically came out like because if you do print on demand, they have print on demand over there. But if you print only in America, you have to ship across the sea. And that in my head, I instantly thought of you and I was like, oh, that's why Alex always puts this stuff on POD. It's much <laughs> more accessible to the rest of the world yeah, when exactly. you have POD and then you don't have to worry about um, transportation prices. You don't have to worry about paper prices. So just I don't know, it was just an interesting thing that popped in my head where I was like, that makes so much sense for Europe and South American stuff because drive through has printing presses kind of like all over the world right yeah no yeah and, and how things are are going with shipping just becoming in, demented i mean it's just with between brexit between the mm. european union closing even more all the export import laws the united states also fucking around it's just it's becoming absolutely hostile to small uh publishers so i was actually talking about this with the guys from uh, against Dark Master, the, the Italian guys, which are also now in, in the middle of fulfillment, and they're also saying that this is just, for example, they directly they don't sell, they are incapable of selling to UK, because the UK authorities they've been trying for two years to get some tax identification number, and they can't get it, so they have that whole market that they cannot sell to, and it's just like that. That's just a small example. It's 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 like that for everybody. It's and and of course, from a from a customer point of view, it's absolutely nuts the amount of money that it costs to to in between tax import taxes that you have to pay between the shipping itself. I mean, I used to, a few years ago, I used to buy zines from United States all the time, all the time, especially during uh, Zine Quest. I mean, it was just all the time. And okay, well, you will pay the whatever the price of the of the zine, maybe ten bucks extra for the shipping, and that's it. Now. Now between the shipping, which is like at least 20, and then the customs, which is just doesn't go below 14, 15 euros extra, I end up paying for a zine two, three times its original price. So it's like, okay, I can't order from, from the United States anymore. And the the opposite happens, of course. People yeah. from the United States buying from, from Europe is just nuts. So it's just becoming very, very difficult. And, and print-on-demand, even though the quality is definitely... I don't think it will ever reach the the level of of something like this. I mean, offset printing is just superior. 
is just absolutely it's gorgeous. It's really a lot better than it used to be, though. Like, those Proud Demand books I get, I've gotten more recently from Drive-Thru, I'm like, oh, this is, like, this no, is yeah. good. And, and Lulu is even better. But, yeah, Drive-Thru RPG, they're getting their shit together, and it's pretty good. The yeah. worst, at least in Europe, the worst is Amazon, for sure. The quality of Amazon is, like, toilet paper. It's terrible. <laughs> Not shocked by that. And, and the cutting and, the and everything. I mean, I, you get books, and it's like, seriously, just... What the fuck did you do with the covers? It's just <laughs> cutting. I can yeah. show you some books. I guess like really. I mean, the covers is like this, and then the book inside is it's like, what the fuck? What do I do with all this extra <laughs> cover? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's terrible. But yeah, right through RPG, they are starting to get uh, quite nice quality. Especially the cards, for example, the cards are amazing. Oh, Perfect. Mm, yeah. The cards in RP um, right through RPG, they are like like any board game quality. Yeah. Any yeah, they're very good. I, I've the card's been good for a while. I remember back when, um, like Philip Reed put out a bunch of cards with oh, uh, from yeah. Rick stuff. They were they were really yeah, good. Yeah. But yeah. the thing about the drive-through printing, the covers are always very shiny, and that's the only thing because the interiors are really nice. I did like the Lulu though. Like I got the the marshes thick. It has like a nice texture, like matte yeah. cover. That if 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 drive through got to a, a cover like this, I'd I'd screw it, just do drive through every time because this is a really yeah. nice quality book. But Lulu Lulu does some good stuff as well. Yeah, so Lulu, that's Lulu, Lulu actually really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. But, um, so yeah, in the future, I'm I'm definitely uh, my my goal is I mean the, uh, the campaign now with Karen Salas was a little bit of an experiment to see if it works, and I think that's the direction I'm going to take, which is a hybrid thing. The core campaign is going to be uh, fulfilled via print-on-demand and drive through RPG. And then for those who want something nicer, a bit of uh, more deluxe quality, I will work with the the small print I, I've been working well. The, the I have them up there. That's why I'm looking there. The the books I I put out my my own edition of Disciple of Bonus and Shadow, the Warlock edition. Yeah, yeah, I guess you have them around there. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to yeah, grab so, it, but I'm not getting up. Yeah, so I'm I'm working with those those people again for this for Kernethala, so you can expect that level of quality. And I think that's what I'm going to be doing moving forward. I'm going to be releasing print on demand, and if you want something a bit fancier, you have the option of a very limited edition that you know it's going to be more expensive, but also it's going to look fucking amazing. So yeah, yeah that's that's a feature but for me at least for the time being. We recently had um, the Forgotten Psalm um, guys on, you know, SPI and and mm -hmm. uh, and Rugman, and uh, they they a similar kind of thing. Like the book is all going to be put out, but like all the add-ons are going to be after. They said instead of basically trying to like put all these pieces together, it made a lot more sense to just like get the book out and then buy add-ons after. And I think crowdfunding in general should really kind of think about taking that approach, where if you can get the primary thing out and into people's hands, as opposed to like, a lot of projects will be like, we have the book ready, but we got to wait like six more months for the box and like six more months for all the pieces as opposed yeah. to just being like we have the book ready we're going to send you the book and if you want a box or if you want an add-on or you want a special edition just hit up the store after or we'll make like a very small tier for it or not that just seems especially with prices kind of going crazy that seems um to be much more reliable way to do things yeah i think it's important to have that flexibility especially for the customers so I mean, yeah. the more options you have for the customers, and I'm a customer above everything. I mean, I spend hundreds every month on, on RPGs. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just, that's... Right there with you, bud. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, everyone looks at Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I don't. Um, but uh, but but speaking of your games, so last time you heard you talked about sacrifice and you put out some big games since then. Let's just talk about maybe not specifics until we get to some of the later ones, but just your games in general. Like I feel like. You know, you have a theme to a lot of your stuff. It's dark. Uh, it's it's gruesome. A lot of it's like um, uh, solo or or solo co-op. A lot of it has um, uh, a, a very kind of like old schoolish vibe to it. Like, um, uh, what what would you kind of describe as like your style? I guess in RPGs. Yeah, definitely um, dark fantasy for sure. <laughs> I usually like to throw most of the time it's a bit of survival elements because I like that uh, trying to fight against the elements and I don't know, try to survive <laughs> in whatever whatever the game or the style. I always had a little bit of of survival elements and and solo it's it's always a core element. Even even for example something like Sacrifice, which the first version I released didn't have any it was quite solo friendly because I just can't help it. I always had a lot of tables and it's part of, of my thing. But even that first incarnation that didn't have solo rules, I immediately, after the first thing I did was release solo rules because I just, I play most of the times. I'm Even though I play with friends online and all that, lately we don't meet for anything. But online we still play and most of my gaming it's it's done by myself so yeah it's just it's it's my thing solo solo gaming but yes my i, I know maybe i'm a bit boring with always dark fantasy and grim dark and it's just, but it's just i mean it's been i'm into it since i'm i'm a child basically <laughs> I mean, for hammers and all that stuff i've been playing that kind of thing since i'm 12 so yeah so hey, listen, that's, that's I mean, going anywhere. if you can do a thing well, you know, I mean, I don't think it's boring. I think it's like, <laughs> it's your thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I listen, I don't know as if long I do as you're well, making but... Edgelord Grimdark stuff, you have a forever customer uh, <laughs> from, you know, Ryan. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely the edge lord here on the show. Listen, Hunter, you, you, you got a deep edge lord streak in you too, buddy. Listen, I'm all butterflies and rainbows and stuff, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah it's just it's, my interest has always been, in all senses, always in the music, in aesthetics, everything, everything. It's always been darker stuff. So and I'm too old now to change. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like every time I come on stream, I see like another another gray popping through, so I'm right there with you. Um <laughs> But but more specifically, since um, yeah, Hunter, just nothing but gray is right there. Nothing that but full, gray hair on that me, full lush, <laughs> That full lush gray, you know, been calling him a silver fox for a couple of years now. Um, but uh, specifically about some of your some of your games. Um, after Sacrifice, you said the first one. What was the first one after that one? It wasn't Rift Breakers, was it? No, no, it was Broken Shores. Yeah, more more yeah. game dark. Broken Shores, yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, why don't we just go into some specifics about some of the games? So for, for those that maybe are listening for to the first time um, that might not have a lot of games from Black Oath, like, I guess let's just, let's pitch, I don't maybe not all seven games that you've done, but um, a couple, like, which which one, is there any one that you've done in the past, like, 15 months where you're like, that, that, 
I fucking did the shit out of that one. That way, if someone's gonna read like one book in the last fifteen months that I did, like which one do you think you'd pick? Well, aside from across a thousand the worlds, I yeah, suppose. we'll get to that one. Yeah, we'll get to that one. It's on the list. I don't know. Um, I guess Rift Breakers. I I really, even though that one, it's my basically my only game that is not dark fantasy. So some people stay still say or think that is dark, but I just don't see it. I mean, hey, what that's my my pure most. Uh, hard attempt at not making some I'm uh, making traditional just standard fantasy at least uh, with the setting because my goal with with Rip Breakers was to basically take the type of game that you will have in an MMO like World of Warcraft or the Elder Scrolls Online all all these kind of games that I always played and I adored and translating all those mechanics into a into a tabletop RPG so you have your all the usual trappings of uh, randomly generated loot, um, randomly generated dungeons. Well, they're not really dungeons, but they are dungeons. <laughs> and, Everything's uh, a dungeon, you know. Yeah, Everything. I mean, yeah, basically they're open, open areas, but they work like dungeons. And um, <clears throat> the the grinding the levels and the crafting. I don't know, all the typical, anything you can think of in uh, World of Warcraft that you can do, you can do in this game. So I'm particularly happy with how the the character progression, which is for me one of the pillars of my of my games. One of the reasons I play RPGs is character progression. And I just I just love it. I I mean, if a game doesn't have the promise of getting stronger, I, I mean, yeah, I, for one shots or something like well. I guess it's fun for one shots, but there's another reason why I don't play one shots because there's no character. Yeah, you, yeah, there's not a lot of progression when you're dropping yeah. off after that. Yeah, so for me, uh, and, and you can see it in my games when I'm playing, when I'm making a new game, it's like, okay, how can I make this game to be played basically infinitely? Because I just I like that no ceiling type of of game of game style, or at least for a very long time, and that you will always be getting new things. So I think I did it pretty well in Rift Breakers. You have a, a set of, uh, I call them hearts, which are kind of subclasses or classes, but you, you can have four at a time. So you can, and each heart has 20 different abilities, which work a little bit like in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the fourth edition. You have like at will and then per encounter mm. and, and daily. Uh, they are called differently in my game, but they are essentially that. So you can then mix and match. So maybe you take the Bastion Heart, which is all for tanking, it's tanking abilities, or you take the Shadow Heart, and it's all more rogue, uh, stabby stuff, or the Arcanist stuff, which is all high-level magic rituals and all. So you can combine four of those and make your own completely customized character. So I, th I that I think is pretty cool. And then combine with the each monster, I, I I went completely nuts there. One one pay, patron, one one of my patrons said, uh, I I finished break uh, re, uh, sorry broken shores. So it's it's a cool game, but it the bestiary is too small. So yeah, it's too small. Okay, let's wait for the next one. So I went all in, <laughs> and I made it's it's almost a hundred different monsters. But the thing is that each monster has its own table of actions. You know, like in uh, like the enemies in Forbidden Lands, the the normal ones, no, the big ones, which have you roll to see what they do. Well, every 
monster in the game has that. And then they also have the, each one of them has their own loot table. So it was, I, it was like 80% of the time I spent working on that game was spent on the bestiary. It's just, I don't know, it must be like over a hundred pages of the book is just your enemies to deal with. So yeah, those that's two good. things. That's, that's pretty it, impressive. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It's not big enough. Here's a whole book. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it was basically that. Yeah. So I think in, in that sense, the game is quite innovative. It, you have a lot of things to do. And and well, it shows people have, have really been playing it a lot. I get a lot of feedback from it. Actually, I've been, I got so much feedback from it that I I ended up like okay I these guys are right I need to, I, I need to change all these things and I ended up just releasing a, a re-uploading all the files for print on demand and I I had to revamp a lot of things for example I ended up changing combat to make it a little bit faster and mm. I don't know I I so that's important to me also to adapt to the which is good with with uh, another positive point of print on demand uh, because you can react to feedback like that you can oh, incorporate yeah. not only not only the PDF, which is, I mean, uh, role playing games are reaching that point where they're almost like video games. You you just have patch notes all the time, and I have a change log in all my games. It's like, okay, I change all this. This is the change log for the PDF, and then when all the changes reach a critical mass, or it reaches that point where it's like, okay, there are so many changes, I just upload a new version for print on demand, and and that's it. So I, that's the the benefit of having on print on demand that I can be updating the game and you are you know that you're going to have if not almost but I mean all the time almost all the time in the last version with all the changes there of course the process of updating it it takes a while because I need to up upload it and before uploading it since I'm not the one doing all the files because the that's a pain in the ass the the specifications for drive through RPG and for Amazon is a bit annoying so it's clean who does it for me so i have to tell him okay here's a new version please can you update it he sends it to me then i upload it to the website then i have to wait for them to approve it which is usually one two weeks and i have to wait for the books to arrive to to me so the proofs so i can approve them and then the book can be back in sale so yeah it takes like about a month to update the the files and that's why i don't do it a lot but yeah, the possibility, I mean, the only the fact that the possibility exists is just amazing. I've never thought about the fact that like, yeah, I guess with print on demand, like, yeah, you could just like switch out an updated file. Yeah, just like a video game. That's yeah. really clever. I mean, when you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, that seems very obvious, but I've never thought about the fact that like, yeah, you can like update your game without releasing 2E or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. Very so, interesting. For example, though. you go now, you... To purchase uh, Rift Breakers, and I'm on version 1.6.5, which is, sounds like a video game. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, here's some patch notes. We may yeah, fix yeah. the stability of it, you know. Exactly, which <laughs> actually is very, very on, on the theme with the game because the, the I made it to look like a video game. It even has a tutorial. The, you play while you are playing your character. Uh, you're making your character. You're playing through the tutorial area of the game. So yeah, it's very video gaming. So the the fact that it has patch notes, it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, that fits amazingly well. Yeah. So um, 
after that, or I guess, I mean, we're getting around to it because you already had it in your hands. Like a thousand across a thousand dead worlds is the one that's like finally coming out. It's it's as far as I know for right now, it's the biggest thing that you've kind of done for it. And it's different than what we were talking about as far as all of these grimdark settings. I guess it's grimdark, but it's space. Um, what made you want to switch from kind of like the grimdark dungeon crawly stuff to go to like space horror? Well, actually, I'm for the most part, I've always preferred fan I mean, uh, science fiction to fantasy, even though lately I'm in a hardcore fantasy kick. I'm just playing fantasy, fantasy, and that's it. But I was always uh, more fan of fantasy than, than anything else. And and I read, I mean, sorry, science fiction, and I read a, a lot, crazy amount of science fiction. Uh, always, always, always. So more than fantasy, I would say. So it was just natural for me to to want to to make something like that, especially uh, I think we I mentioned it several times. Uh, this is a game that is strongly influenced, if not a complete ripoff, uh, <laughs> Frederick Paul's Gateway book, uh, which is uh, an absolute masterpiece. And I always wanted to make a, a game based on it. But of course, I wanted to also incorporate my personal preferences, which is a bit of darker stuff, a bit of horror, alien kind of things. So yeah, that's how that's how it came by. I just I really love fantasy. It's it's also from a solo perspective, it's more intimidating, at least for me. For example, it's very difficult for me to play um science fiction games uh, solo because since you have a whole fucking galaxy of possibilities, it's always it's more difficult for me to narrow it down. I know you can do it, of course, and and that's why I, I that's what I try to do with across a thousand dead worlds. I the starting point is very focused and very narrow. You have your crew, and you're just going to be exploring this site or this planet, and then once that's done, you come back to your starting point. So in that way, it's a little mm. bit like a video game as well. So it's like you go all out on missions and it's you go there, it's done, and you come back. It's uh, it's not on rails because things can go very bad in, <laughs> in a moment. Right. Even 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 the possibility of arriving and, and, and dying because you arrive in... There's only a 2% chance of that happening. But yeah, the, the arrival table, it contemplates the possibility of you arri arriving. And the, since you are using spaceships that were built hundreds of thousands of years ago maybe the solar has gone supernova this the sun has gone supernova and you arrive in your dead or you arrive to a black hole that wasn't there before or so yeah there's a little bit a small chance that you arrive in your dead <laughs> that's awesome so, though <laughs> yeah, yeah would, that, would, that would be like the greatest thing like ever <laughs> yeah, oh my god it, it, it's pretty funny too because it's amazing because you part of the tension of the game comes from the fact that you don't know if you're going to arrive to a place that has something for you to to benefit from you don't know how long it takes to get there and that you're trapped in that situation unless you go alone which is then you then you have another set of problems but you're trapped there with a bunch of other people that they are all going to have their then their own personal problems and they start to leak out during the that time, that travel time that you spend, I mean, it, it's at least a week. It's, and on average, in my experience, it's at least three, four weeks. 
So each week you have a chance of something happening. And this can be something malfunctioning or somebody having a breakdown. And, and that of course affects to the other because there's a stress system in, in the game and things escalate pretty fast because when one start one person oh look my dog decided to come here <laughs> when one person starts to have a, a bit of a mental breakdown of course the other ones start to to <laughs> to get nervous as well so it can snowball pretty quickly so imagine you get over all that stuff you manage to to take the this the situation and to um to, to i mean not allow it to escalate and then you arrive, it's like, okay, we're exiting a warp space, we're entering into normal space, where are we? And then you die. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's pretty, yeah, I mean, uh, some people said, what's the point of that? I mean, some people were pissed off. I remember uh, comments and all that. It's like, uh, I don't understand the point of possibility of dying. And I said, I just couldn't resist. It's just, it's just too funny. That's to, way too funny. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, there's no big deal because character creation, I mean, you're done in the characters are done in a second. It takes in 10 minutes, you have your character. It's just a couple of roles and you're done. You get into the mission and you have all that section of drama in the travel, or maybe you're lucky not, maybe nothing happened. And then you arrive and you're dead. It's just, it's a, a amazing ses session zero, at least for the, for a group or solo. It's just very fun. <laughs> yeah, so. I, yeah. I, I don't know some people get mad. I love that stuff. Like in 12 years, you can just die in character creation. Like you could literally <laughs> just like not even get out of it. Like I think that cracks me up. And I did once. Yeah. It was great. I was like, well, fuck, I guess it's so all right, funny. next page. Let's start again. Yeah, yeah, like, that's great. Staple of since Traveler did it in the 70s, it's it's a staple of role-playing games. You can die in character creation. Well, you can die a little bit after character creation. It's fine. Dude, I just think that if I was playing a game and we were like went through the whole thing, we we're traveling and we we're all like getting excited, and we shut up, we died. I would, I would bust yeah. out laughing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think it takes like a certain. You have to have that really like that very OSR ish mindset about like, yeah, my we just die all the time at this table, you know? Yeah, mm. yeah. I guess, I guess it depends on the table, of course, like everything. But at least in in my experience and with my friends and all that, it's yeah. You die. It's like okay, well, I'll roll up a new character. Nothing happens. Just you just laugh about it. You talk about it for <laughs> yeah. a few, especially if it's something epic like this. It's just a funny story that. Oh, remember when we all died after arguing for a week and we almost killed each other, and then finally we <laughs> we decided to to bury the hatchet, and when we just died, it's just a funny story. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> It's definitely definitely a different mindset, you know, for 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 players like in that like if you see the whole thing as the game and the journey as the game and all of it as the game, it's totally different like when you die versus it's not really the game until you get to like the combat or something like thought, you know, it's oh, just yeah. a different thing, you know. So, I mean, character creation's the game. So, if you die like, oh well, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely um, agree. The other project, well, not the other, the project you have going on right now as well, Kernathalus. Tell yeah. us that. What is what is what's what's the pitch? What do we got going on with that right now? Yeah. So yeah, as you said, is currently funding on Kickstarter and it's doing pretty well. I'm I'm very happy with it. And the idea behind Kernathalus was basically to make the ultimate dungeon crawler. I went back to basics. It's very it, it has a very narrow focus so it's you're not 
he's decided to <laughs> so it's attention so you, time dude <laughs> yeah yeah he decided he has to be here so yeah with Karen Salas it's it's really a solo game I mean you can play it co-op but this is uh you I will some people maybe wouldn't even consider it a real RPG because I don't think you can play with a dungeon master or something like that. Oh, I mean, you could, but it will be a bit boring, I suppose, for the dungeon master because it's, like I said, it's very narrow focus. It's the whole thing, the 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 the, the reason for, for you to be in the dungeon is basically that you, you've been executed or supposedly executed because somehow you survive and you wake up in a pile of corpses and you... With of course the wound of being hanged, you are fucked up. I mean, your character starts with with less uh, health points. There's a sanity system, of course, because it's a horror dungeon crawler game. So yeah, you you are fucked both mentally and physically. No weapons, no anything, and you just have to. It's like, okay, where the fuck am I? Oh yes, they threw me where they throw all the corpses, which is the big necropolis under the city. So you're. <laughs> Your point is to survive and to try to find out a, a way out of of that mess. So you just there's a I really um, I call it a dungeon survival game more than dungeon crawling game because I try to go to a little bit more towards the, that unexplored area when it comes to dungeon crawling games uh, because I think it hasn't been done at least in this kind of uh, more focused game which my references for it will be something like Four Against Darkness or 12 Years, uh, D100 Dungeon. Those kind of games which are, yeah, you just go into the dungeon and you go and kill the monsters and get out. Well, here is, you are fucked. You don't have anything. You have to come out and survive. And of course, there's a big inspiration, Diablo, of course. I mean, it's yeah. just, it, there you have all the randomly generated dungeons in that same kind of style a big focus on undead and and demonic stuff and and huge uh, system for randomly generating all the items you find all the all the magic items are all randomly generated and on top of that i'm very happy with the system because it's super i mean you literally take three dice and and there you have a massive magic item tailored for the for the occasion and and the possibilities are, I mean, it's literally endless. The amount of magic items you can make with with that. So, yeah, I think uh, the 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 cool thing about the game is that it's dungeon survival because, like, okay, you are in a hostile place. The dungeon is not uh, this cave system, or no, no, this is a hostile place. It used to be the capital of a gigantic necromantic empire that ruled the area thousands of years ago. They, it's just all their all the all their undead all their creations are buried down there maybe even some of the original inhabitants of that empire and you have to survive so uh, you want to to sleep you want to rest okay then you better make sure you barricade that room and that you spend all resources that you've been collecting all all the garbage you've been collecting you better uh, close up all those doors and exits and entrances you better craft your gear properly, repair all your stuff, craft craft torches, cook some stuff from all the weird mushrooms you found so you can eat something. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it has that element of survival, and I think it, it makes it quite fun and intense. It's very important also to know when you have to stop to, to set camp and, and to 
to rest because there's this uh, exhaustion system that the more you push it, the more dangerous it is. But stopping consumes resources. Maybe you don't have enough to make a proper camp and to barricade yourself. So maybe you're sleeping and then suddenly monsters bursting into your camp and you have a fight. So yeah, I think it's fun. <laughs> I had a lot of yeah. fun both writing it and playing it and, and people seem to have fun with it. So yeah, I'm very excited I'm about it. Super stoked for it. It's funny because like, you know, a few days ago, actually, Ryan pitched me his idea for a game, which is, <laughs> is like almost exactly. Yeah, we talked about game. it. It's you know, similar, I was like, yeah. This is very funny because Kern Palace is the same. I was like, damn it. Um, but I do yeah. like the whole flip dungeon crawl where it's like you're not entering a place like you're you're trying to leave. You know, you're trying to get out of here and it's a completely hostile area and you have nothing. You only have what you find. Uh, yeah. Good luck, you know. <laughs> um, it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm really excited. That it's going to be like it's solo and co-op, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm stoked for that. That sounds really cool. I'm gonna make my girlfriend play it with me. So yeah, mm -hmm. for two players is absolutely perfect. Awesome. It's a, it's a good balance for two players. Yeah, the game scales to to two players very nicely. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. And then fun. for those, there, you have a quick start on the page, which is great. Um, the yeah. there's some interesting parts to it too which really you know it kind of clues you into the way the system works uh even bit um masteries are are kind of classes right and there's yeah. 20 of them there's 20 yeah. of them it's a lot of stuff you can be yeah i i had a lot of fun like i said for me character progression is crucial in the game and and i always go all in i mean with Oh, so it's you oh. have twenty masteries. You start. It's cutting, or can you hear me? Oh, yeah, you cut for a second, yeah, but yeah, you're yeah. back. We're good. We're back. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you have twenty masteries. You start with uh, picking two. Each mastery has five different uh, skills, like uh, tiers of skills, and, and gives you also a passive ability. So you basically, when you start a new character, you start with two passive abilities and two active abilities. And and each time you level up, you gain one point, which you can spend in either one of your masteries. But the thing is that um, there's you can get a third mastery through gear. If you find an amulet, amulets have a random mastery. So uh, you have your two fixed masteries, but you have a third one that which you can be swapping depending on if you're lucky and find several amulets, which I did with my playthrough. Actually, it's like okay, in this section, I'm going to be using this amulet because this is, is this type of enemies and and of course the the dungeon or necrop necropolis or kernethalas itself it, i divided it in into sections so its section is ruled by an overseer which will be like this boss of like diablo you have this big boss governing a whole section and depending on which boss it is it it gives like a different boost to all the enemies in that section so you have the option of going to try to find straight the straight directly to, against the the overseer so the rest of the section is easier because the enemies will be less buffed or you can if the enemy the, the overseer the big boss if you see it's just something you you can't deal with you can ignore it and try to find the exit of that section and move on to to the next one you can always go back to to the previous one if you want to so yeah, uh, if you are lucky, you will find a, a mastery amulet in 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 each different section, and 
and it gives you that, that extra flexibility when it comes to building your your character. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's, it, it's it's a fun system. I'm really excited for that. Not only that, I know I don't know how much this has gone out of Patreon, so I'll let you talk about it if if it leads to the conversation. Skills are a big thing in this. As opposed to, because like there's there's stats, right? But some of your skills, a lot of people put as like attributes and other ones, because your attributes are a little bit different in this. But skills are pretty heavy, and you've been talking about like a kind of a skill thing as well. So what what made you kind of like want to um, make the like this bigger list of skills and things that dig into that, and then maybe something that has come out along that as well? Like what 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 what's your what was the impetus for that? Yeah. So as you know, I'm. Um... Usually the the crunchy guy. I mean, I'm Rollmaster is my bible. It's the best game ever made. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I just want to say, just the GM, just the screen for Rollmaster is five times bigger than most games that I play, and that's just the <laughs> screen, not the book. So I, I yeah, it's it, if you, the crunchy guy is a bit of an understatement. Yeah, I just I especially as a solo player, I, I personally believe that it's easier to solo games when you have this big support system and you don't have to be stopping all the time to think okay this is very big if i'm if i were the gm uh, what would i do how do i interpret this no i i like that is very clear that you don't have to put your gm hat all the time and it breaks immersion that way if you know the, if if all the procedures are detailed in the book i think it helps for me at least as a solo player that's why i don't like uh, powered by the apocalypse games because they're just too vague as a as a, as a solo player me as mm. a player at somebody else's table I, I play anything but me as a gm or as a solo player i just i need crunch <laughs> if it's too light as a gm <clears throat> that means i have to house rule a lot i have to make a lot of content for it and at one point, it's always like, okay, why am I making content for this game instead of making it for my own games? <laughs> so very fair. And and as a solo player, if I have to be, I remember playing everybody as a solo player. Everybody has played Iron Sworn, I suppose. So I remember having to play it all it stop all the time. It's like, okay, this which move should I choose? I have all this list. Oh, this one is too vague. This one is too, and with skills is like, okay, I'm want I want to smell what is perception they're done so it's it's much faster for me if you have a list of skills and it's it's just more concrete so i have that natural tendency of moving away from vagueness of uh, abilities like the ability scores so I, I know a lot of games um just use ability scores and that's it and and no skills and it works uh, but me personally, I like things to be a little bit more defined. I like things to be more concrete. I have to think less. I just look at the sheet of paper and it's there and I can focus on the story. And the story moves along without me having to be thinking about the engine behind the story. Uh, but that's that's just me, of course. I mean, everybody plays differently. Every table is different. I mean, it's that's just what works for me as a player. And therefore, that's what I do as a designer. So lately, I've been slowly but surely moving away from attributes and ability scores and all that, and more only into uh, skills. So Cardinalis is my first game that doesn't have any ability scores. It's just a list of skills. You have the basic attributes of health and sanity and 
right? But you can't call those abilities the ability scores. They're just like something right. else. Everybody like got tracks, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Or either, which is your mana points. So yeah. Mm. But for for everything else, you have your list of skills. It's a D100 based system. It's, if you played Call of Cthulhu or any BRP game, you're going to be right at home because it's greatly inspired by by that uh, system, which is after Rollmaster, for me, BRP is the best rule set ever created. <laughs> well, if I'm being objective, BRP is actually the best rule set ever created. Rollmaster is too clunky many, many times, but it has the best crits in the history of gaming. So that's why for me it's number one. But, uh, well, that's beyond the point. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been moving more towards um, skill-based systems because it's what I enjoy and, and I think they work well. Also for newcomers, um, which was one of my design goals with uh, Karen Thalas, making a game that will be easy to grasp for people who never played uh, solo games. So I think a um, big part of that is that uh, percentages is something that everybody understands. And if you see on your piece of paper that it says, okay, I have a 60% chance of uh, jumping or whatever. Okay, you know that if you have 60% chance to roll D100, if it's less than 60, it's a success. It's, I mean, it doesn't get it. Any person understands that. So having that list of just skills and not having to add anything or this goal, this uh, difficulty class, or I mean, all those things that can model the waddles a little bit for for newcomers, I think it's very intuitive. You just see it, okay, here, 60%, shooting, 40%, whatever. I mean, it's everybody understands that. It's very straight to the point, and, yeah. and I like it. It's yeah. So since I like it, that's why I did it. There which you go. Is, yeah it's interesting it's interesting yeah well i mean i hope that people would i mean i would not put time into a game that i wouldn't want to play but it's also interesting hearing you say that because that's something i hadn't thought about either like i know like thinking of your games i'm like in my head i'm like they're gonna be dark with super metal art and a lot of crunch um uh so i didn't really think about like why to an extent and and i've been a fan of yours for longer than like the last 15 months when the first time we talked um it never really clicked in my head like that the solo play and kind of like what you need to really help solo which which if i'm playing by myself obviously i want i want to be able for things to just like tell me what's going on like i want i don't want to make it up on my own like that yeah. that's kind of leads into solo journaling and i like solo adventure kind of the same as you um exactly. that having that more crunch really just helps a little bit more and that's why even in your kind of like not solo or or the ones that are co-op friendly games the crunch is still there because it's just a style yeah. you have because that's how you generally play and, and and make the solo stuff that's just an interesting kind of um um enlightenment to hear about and it kind of like I don't know, changes like how not how i think about our games but like how i like perceive the games a little bit it's like yeah, ah, yeah. that that's why this is this is why this exists this way so yeah exactly yeah. and that's why they are always full of tables also i i always make all the games from the perspective of a solo player and and the way i play solo games of course so that influences everything i i make and, and write i always had a lot of tables all the generators i can think of and and the all the procedures and, and in detail in them as much as I can uh, to make it easier. 
course, that's a still work in progress. Many times I don't, I, I, I maybe I make it too convoluted or I just don't explain things as they should or assume a lot of things. I have the tendency of assuming that people play games or read games this way I do, which is like, if I don't like something or I understand, I understand it perfectly clear the first time or it's vague, I, I homebrew it, I do it my way. And a lot of people don't play that way. I, I've learned in the hard way. A lot of people want things very, very, Wrong. very, very, yeah. yeah. And very concise and very clearly explained and nothing open to interpretation. So I have to Listen, adapt to... There's a lot of people that just want to be told what to do and how to think, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah so <laughs> I'm not um, talking about TPRBGs, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, you, a thousand dead worlds across the thousand dead worlds is on the on the ocean and in in no, the no, post and all that stuff. Already, it's in the truck. In the truck. It's in a yeah. truck. Kernatholis is on Kickstarter right now. What's yeah. the next thing? What 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 what's coming next from Black Oath Entertainment? Well, very very soon I'll be releasing. Speaking of uh, uh, all this uh, skill based stuff, which is my has been my tendency. Um, the other day, I once again, I sat to play Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is one of the best games ever made. Uh, and like every time I sit, you're like... <laughs> oh, well, I'm seeing the blast still in chat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I, just, I think it's amazing. And it has the best magic rules ever written. I mean, it's just brilliant overall. But the problem I always have with it is that it doesn't have skills. And I'm reaching that point where if it doesn't have skills, I can play it. And each time I sit to play Dungeon Crawl Classics, I played a couple of sessions and it's like, okay, let's just add skills. And each time I play, I add a new skill system and and I, I just keep adding rules. And so I have all these home rules and, and systems and, and ideas to turn um, non-skill-based D20 systems into skill-based. So that's what I'm going to release. Uh, I, I created a, a new engine, which I'm calling Skill20. And it's a way of translating um, games like Dungeon Call Classics, but it works with any OSR ability-based system to translate it into a skill-only rule set. So I'll be publishing that um, this week, more probably. <laughs> Uh, maybe yeah, during the weekend, maybe Monday at most. I'm I'm I finish it writing today actually. I I started a little bit with layout, and it's it should be. I of course I end up always adding a little bit more than I intend. So I, I was thinking, okay, I, this is going to be 20 pages. That's, it. and I think it's going to be more like 50, 60. <laughs> but I'm I'm putting it up for free. Uh, I'll put it all over for free, and then I'm hoping. To get more feedback from it i'm hoping people like it and make stuff with it and based on this i'm going to write my own game which um i've been writing down notes for it for months I want to make something i'm not usually a fan of uh, science fantasy but i just um i have the urge lately to to make yeah. something in that <laughs> vein so i've been writing down notes for it for at least three four months i have a few pages of notes already for a setting and yeah i'm going to be using this skill 20 rule set for it so you can expect d20 base uh, rules the i mean the traditional the thing that 
everybody who's playing Dungeons and Dragons knows the d20 plus modifier and they are the target number or difficulty class and that's it so this is the same it's just instead of using ability scores you just skills just skills that's it so i yeah. love science fantasy so i i'm grim dark dark fantasy you're definitely science fantasy and then we said we'll cross over sometimes so we're good um, yeah, that's what I was trying to get into with the skill thing. I, I never remember like what I saw on Twitter versus what I saw on Patreon versus what I saw where. So I was like, yeah. is this something that we're supposed to not talk about yet? So I'm glad that, <laughs> that that's what came through. Um, yeah, so that's going to be done. Then I have uh, Under Ashen Skies, which is our previous Kickstarter, the, the game I finished with Alan Barr. Well, he finished it actually, because otherwise mm. it wouldn't have seen the light of day because I, I started working on it years and years ago. I got stuck. I just couldn't finish it. And Alan came to the rescue. He finished it. The Kickstarter was a success and it's it's done. We're now just waiting for the art, which Leo from LFOSR, he's, he's doing it. So yeah, and it should be done. It should be out next month on drive to RPG, I, I suppose. Yes. And then, cool. well, I don't know, a, a bunch of other, a lot of different projects i have in in the works as yeah. usual number two the second issue of demonic should be out next month also should be this nice. month for patrons and yeah next month i suppose for 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 everybody else and yeah and i have a lot of things yeah yeah <laughs> i feel like like i said every time i get a patreon thing it's like hey here's an update on something but here's three more i'm working on um yeah. and as soon as one drops you get three more so spe speaking of your patreon speaking of like you know the the um skill 20 dropping like where where are people going to be able to find these things like first of all if you're not a, a patron if we haven't said it enough uh this man puts out a lot of shit so be a patron and you get all of this stuff all the time so i'd highly recommend it so where can people find what is your patreon um what what is your how can people find drive through what's your website all that kind of stuff where can people find all this great stuff yeah so i guess the easiest thing will be to go to my hub which is my website it's just go to blackholdgames.com and there you have links to all my stuff in drive through rpg itch.io um even Amazon, you get you can get them print on demand on Amazon, and and my my patron too, which is the order of the Black Oath, and well, it. But if you go to my website, blackoathgames.com, you have everything there. So yeah, awesome. Hey, listen. Let's not wait 15 months for you to come on the show again, but thank you so much for, for being here. I feel oh, like if you, you came back in a month, we'd have like four more games to talk about. So it's always, it's always nice. <laughs> Probably because right now I'm thinking of a couple of other games, which I didn't mention. <laughs> so yeah, if you, next month, I could already tell you about three other games, which are about to be published, but well, wow. we can leave it for next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do it for the next time. But again, seriously, thank you so yeah. much for coming on. It's always great talking to you. And, oh, and you know, you we, we talk a lot out of here, but it's nice to have you on the show as well. So, um, so yeah, that's that's our show for today. You go to blackoathgames.com, find all of Alex's stuff, and you know where our stuff is. Uh, it's on the screen. It's in the liner notes. You can find our link tree at uh, linktree slash the weekly scroll and um and catch us mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. our other stuff uh we have something exciting coming tomorrow but we'll talk about it on our twitter so again thank you alex so much for being here thank you everyone for being in chat and everyone out there a have a wonderful day Ciao. bye